Hi, welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. My name is Tiet Helimetz, and I am a principal dancer at San Francisco Ballet. This podcast series of Meet the Artist interviews is your chance to get to know us, the dancers, musicians, designers, and choreographers at SF Ballet, as we discuss our lives, the process in a studio, performances on stage, and more. Join us for Meet the Artist interviews, live and in person, at the Opera House before Friday and Sunday performances. Or tune in, all season long to hear podcast recordings of San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interviews. Enjoy. All right, I think almost everybody is settled. So I'm going to say good afternoon and welcome. Welcome to... Okay. Thank you. I appreciate your, your hints. We've been warned, and I keep forgetting. I sure will. How's that? Okay, great. Now we know. Um, okay, so welcome to this afternoon's program of the Next at 90 Festival uh, Program B, I believe this is. And... Welcome to this afternoon's Meet the Artist interview. I'm Mary Wood for San Francisco Ballet, and it is my beyond delight to be in conversation today with former, former principal dancer. I wonder if they could turn it up. Okay, former principal dancer, Joanna Berman. Got that? currently a rehearsal director for the company. And before we dive into our chat, I do want to uh, remind you that at the end of our time, uh, we will try to have a question and answer period. And so store up the things that you might uh, not be hearing and want to hear when we wrap up our conversation. And for those of you who um, think you might have missed a moment, uh, this will be recorded and up on the website at some future time as a podcast. So, Joanna Berman was uh, raised in San Rafael, trained at the Marin Ballet with Maria Vey and Margaret Swarthout, and then moved to San Francisco Ballet School. I think you were still a baby. Um, where she trained for a year and then joined the company, was made a soloist in, I think, 1986 and was made a principal dancer in 1988. And while she was a principal dancer with the company, performed absolutely every principal role there was, had many, many works created on her by visiting choreographers, and I have special memory that you created the Juliet in Helgi Thomason's Romeo and Juliet, which we'll see at the end of the season. And your farewell performance was as Giselle, which we will be seeing very soon. So. Well done. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you so much. Um, let's get you started with, um, where you been? What you been doing for the last 20 years? Well, first of all, pardon my outfit, but I just taught company class, so there you go. Um, for the last 20 years, well, my 
twin sons are 19 and a half, so that's most of what I've been doing for the past 20 years. I know. They're at University of Wisconsin-Madison in their sophomore year, yay. And they love it, and I adore them, of course. Um, and other than raising the boys, I have been freelance teaching as well as setting works around, I was going to say the country, but Canada as well, North America. Um, works of different choreographers, some of Val Canaparoli, uh, Christopher Weald, and Mark Morris over the years. Um, it's been really wonderful. It was wonderful to be able to kind of carve my path so that I could mostly be with the boys and still do what I love. So um, they're in Wisconsin. And I wanted to, you know, up my professional game. And it was I, kismet, I'm not sure what other word to use, but an opening came up for to be a rehearsal director here. And there you go. And so I auditioned for the job, and I got it. Really? And I'm thrilled. How do you audition as a rehearsal director? You teach company class a couple of times, which is one of the duties of a rehearsal director. And I was interviewed by Tamara Rojo and Carrie Nichols, her associate director, and a couple of the artistic team. And that's how you audition. <laughs> wow. Um, well, we could go on for the next 20 minutes, you and I, just having a catch-up conversation. But we're really here <clears throat> to talk about Val Canaparoli's ballet, Emergence, which will be the first work you see on this afternoon's program. And you have, I'm going to call it, the great good fortune to be Val's rehearsal assistant or, or rehearsal director. <clears throat> so before we actually dive into Val's work, give us a, some background. What um, have you experienced as being the life of the person in the front of the room, as opposed to the person in the room, the dancer doing the moves? It's a great question. I don't have a succinct answer, but it's very different for a variety of reasons. Um, so just, I just have to say this. I met Val when I was 14, and I was still a student at Marin Ballet, and he choreographed something for us back then. And in addition to that, I'm just saying this because I have such a special relationship with him. He choreographed um, a pas de deux called Hamlet and Ophelia pas de deux in my first year in the company, which I think really gave me a running start. And so I'm so grateful to him for that. So that was 1984. And so my first day of work as a rehearsal director in September was sitting by his side as his rehearsal director as he choreographed this piece. So, I mean, the list just goes on of these wonderful coincidences that I'm just so grateful. So, to answer your question, um, I think the main difference between being a dancer in the choreographic process and being up at the front, there are many, the main one would be that as the dancer, you are learning the choreography with your body as you go. You're, um, and so therefore, you're creating body memory. And when you're sitting at the front, one could get up and do the same thing and use your body to learn it as it's being created. 
And I did do a little bit of that, but you also have other duties, like finding the right place in the music for your choreographer if they want to go in and out, or they might ask questions about what happened yesterday here or there, and where did she come? You just have to be prepared to give him information, and him or her information. And um, so... And you're learning not just one part. That's another big (laughs) difference, of course. So there's sort of, I mean, I'm still learning that, that part of the job, finding the balance, learning everybody, being there for your choreographer, um, knowing where in the music they're interested in coming from or going back to. And, uh, you have to go home and do some homework. Thank goodness. Uh, we use a lot of video now, so you, I can take home a video and then you maybe learn it a little bit with my body in my kitchen, as well as notate in my own way um, what we did. Yeah, I'm still figuring out the best way, and I would imagine it's different with every choreographer. I would imagine I'll let you know. And I'm going to guess different for every rehearsal director. Absolutely. It's... There, it, there's not a little description of how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> so making another segue, working on a vow piece. You've been on the inside of those pieces, and now you're in the front of the room again. Um, Val has created, well, his bio lists over 200 works around the world in ballet and opera and theater, and it goes on and on, and film. And um, I think there's, it says 20 works in the San Francisco Ballet repertoire. I think that's at at least, at least, yeah. Yeah. Um, They're so different. And we can flash to Ibsen's house, perhaps most recently, and um, Lambarena, and then many others. Do you, did, when you were working with him on this piece, what what vowel? Which vowel, <laughs> Which vowel were you working with? Oh, that's a that's hard to answer. Um, well, it's it's in the piece. That's the vowel I was working with. So it's not a story ballet. So um, there aren't specific characters. However, it even though there's not a um, a dramatic narrative. It's dramatic. Um, So what he really wanted from the dancers was for them to bring their experience and their feelings uh, to the steps that they were given. The steps that Val created already have sort of an emotional content, just not a narrative. So there was a very clear direction. But he spoke a lot to the dancers about bringing themselves into it. So here's an interesting little fact that I found as the rehearsal director. I would imagine maybe the others in my position feel the same way. I would say, okay, so he's doing this this way and she's doing it this this way. Do you want those to be the same? It's the same step, but they look really different because I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be the organized one. And he said, no, no, that's how she feels it, that's how he feels it, and that's important to me in this piece. So that was a fun revelation. When he's literally in the room and he's got his dancers' bodies in front of him, 
does he, um, did he move with them? Do they, do they just kind of, does he mush with them like clay? How does he, we were reminiscing a little bit about a memory of uh, Val setting a, a pot of deux and he could just, just play pretzel with the women and the men and the, you know, just, and, but that was a fun thing for him. So how much of that did you observe? Um, I'm trying to think about, he, he's an amazing partner still and really strong. I'm trying to remember how much partnering he actually did when he showed us. He did some for sure. He also has amazing partners in his, well, in this company and in his work. So maybe not as much as my, some other ballets. But he, he was up for the six hours a day that we had, each choreographer had three weeks, six hours a day to choreograph their piece. Boom, that was what they had. And he was up moving all six hours, Move, you know, giving the steps and the feeling that he wanted. And then he would watch and he might say, you know, more front leg or, in his case, it was often, almost always, more back, more back. That was really important to him. It always has been, even back in the day. Um, but certainly in this, the, the, the emotional content, a lot of it comes from the use of the back. So he was very physical in, in creating this, yeah. Um, we know, and he's made no secret of the fact that he kind of came into the festival late in the game, as it were. And so he had less time to prepare this work than he normally has. He's talked about taking a year and a half, two years, to work on a piece. Um, well, he's mentioned that he had about three weeks before he walked into the rehearsal room. Um, walk us through just a few of the high points of that challenge. Maybe while we're at it, mention his choice of music. Luckily, I didn't have much to, you know, to do before I showed up on that first day because I can't imagine. I'm no choreographer, so to come up with a concept, a vocabulary, the music, the, everything that you will see, it's a gigantic undertaking. So that's just his experience and expertise that uh, he's a master of this. And he was so organized, I have to say, like you just felt it in the room like, he knew what he was going to do. It was really clear. Um, so I thought, wow, oh, good for you. That's amazing. The music is gorgeous. I'm pretty partial to the music. It's by, I'm going to try it, Dobrinka Tabakova. Pardon pronunciation. She's a Bulgarian composer. I think she's she, alive and kicking. She's in her 40s. Um, and it's... Um, Concerto for Cello and Strings, I believe is the name. And uh, it was available. I mean, he, she, he could get the rights for it, so. In a minute. In a minute. And because that, that was, can take months. Right. So that's part of the reason that's the music. Also that he loved it, and it's right up his alley. But yeah, so a lot had to be considered. That was just time related. 
I do want to pause and just say for those of you who might have come in after we started, um, I'm in conversation with rehearsal director Joanna Berman. We're talking about Val Canaparoli's uh, premiere work for this festival, uh, Emergence, to the music of Dobrinka Tabakova. Okay. And um, which is a cello concerto. And we are so blessed to have the orchestra we have and to have soloists emerging from our orchestra. And Eric Sung is fantastic, if I could shout out there. Shout out to Eric. Um, I'm mindful of the time, and I want to give us like one more minute before we turn it over to questions from the audience. But um, I think you've pretty much... I, one last thing. Is there anything... Um, that you want to say about that. You said he had a dramatic motivation. Is there anything you want to say about that? I don't want to ruin the surprise. I think you'll understand the dramatic mm -hmm. motivation mm -hmm. when the curtain goes up Okay. and you hear the first movement. I think you will understand what he was dealing with, feelings he was having. Mm -hmm. um, and I would imagine most of us can relate to those feelings. And he wanted, yeah, being all mysterious, it's not very, <laughs> uh, he did want the dancers to explore those feelings uh, with their partner. So to kind of create a each couple, he wanted them to create a relationship so that each individual is dealing with their own stuff, and then how does that affect your relationship? So that's what this is an exploration of. Well, I have actually seen it, and so I am really looking forward to seeing it again with just being able to look at different things in it. At this point, let's invite any of you out there to ask questions. Um, I will try to hear your question as best as I can, and I will repeat the question for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fabulous question. As a ballerina, would you have preferred to dance with Nereyev or Baryshnikov? The obvious answer is either, but um, do I really? Okay, I'm going to say it. Into the mic. Barishnikov. Not because, <laughs> I, th I think because of a possible um, relationship with that dancer. I think Nureyev, I just, I just picture him, he's gorgeous and poetic, but I think there could be like, mm -hmm might be more fun to okay. dance with Misha. <laughs> Thank you. Love I, it. I Let's try over here. Question over here. I'm looking for hands. Okay, way over there. Good question. How did Val choose his cast of dancers? In this case, Val was given his cast of dancers. Um, because all the choreographers were to some extent. I'm, I would imagine, I, to be honest with you, my first day of work was September 27th. So before that, many choreographers did their thing and I'm not positive of everybody's process. But I do know they had to organize the dancers into groups because of this massive festival so that 
everybody was dancing and there wouldn't be too many conflicts, you know, like someone can't be in all three ballets or whatever. So every choreographer for this festival was given the group of dancers that they would use. N normally, a choreographer watches company class and, and chooses that way. And this has been the practice for the previous two festivals that I can remember, the one in 2018, Unbound, um, when the company had to be divided up for 12 choreographers. And you have to understand that there are three choreographers in the building working at once. So that's why separating the company. And then I think back in 2008, they had a similar arrangement, yeah. Um, but great question, yeah. Um, another question, yeah. Fun question. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> How might the company be different now than it was when you were a performer? I, I don't have anything revelatory about that. Revel am I be are my consonants in the right order? Okay. Um, it's funny because I am both very new and very old at the same time, you know? So um, I'm just going to say this is an honest answer, but it's not your answer, which is they're wonderful. <laughs> they're committed, they're beautiful, uh, um, they can do everything. Um, I could say that of our time as well. Um, maybe they're even more um, versatile because the choreography that is now being given to dancers, they really have to be able to do absolutely everything. There was an extent of, to some extent that was true when I was dancing, but things have gotten crazier and crazier and, and more diverse. So I guess I could say that. Possible that when you joined the company in 1985, four, one, four, um, the company was not quite as big. There might have been fewer dancers on the roster. Yeah, we had in, it was 40 something and now it's 70 something. But it, I think it was 70 something by the time I retired. So yeah, that, there was a big change back in, back in the day. But they're just equally f fabulous now. <laughs> Um, maybe one more question. Yeah. This is two questions. One is a favorite partner, and I've, that's a tricky one. Well, I'm not going to, I'm going to do plural for sure. <laughs> and the other is favorite ballets. And I will also do plural. <laughs> favorite partners Yuri Posikoff, Damien Smith, Anthony Rondazzo. And more, but I'm going to stop there because I think it's 1.30. And favorite roles, oh, Giselle, Rodeo, Company B, and then a variety of uh, contemporary ballets that I was part of the creative process, so they just like felt good on my body. I, I'll stop there. I could go on, but I'll stop. There. We actually have one more minute, so one more question. Oh, okay, over there. <laughs> I think the question was most challenging things you have to deal with now. Um, post. It was this, did you say post COVID? No, I didn't hear that. Difficult. Difficult. 
As a rehearsal director, I'm assuming you mean as a rehearsal director. So, so far, um, again, I'm new in this position, but it would be learning and notating the ballet so that you feel secure in, uh, in your role. If a dancer comes up and says, I don't remember this or that, you want, ideally, you want to be able to say, oh yes, that's on seven with your left foot. You know, it's, um, it's not possible to know it all. Eventually, I think, if we do it enough, I will. If I watch it enough, I will. It's a process. But rec learn, really learning the ballets. Mm -hmm. That's the most challenging part. Yeah. And I know there's so much more we could say about that. I want to begin the wind-up here, and before we sign off, I do want to remind you to go to San Francisco Ballet's website, sfballet.org, where there is all kinds of information about our audience engagement programs and the upcoming performances and background about performances and everything you want to know is there. And to just remind you, this will appear as a podcast at some point. Now, I want to say thank you, Joanna. This has just been such a treat for us to be together. It's great That's to be with time. you again, like old times, Mary. So, thank you. So here we are. And I know you're all going to enjoy the performance this afternoon. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about SF Ballet or to attend in-person Meet the Artist interviews and performances, visit sfballet.org. See you at the ballet.